What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show we're talking about Swiss cheese trees and the strange animals whose stories are full of holes. Big trypophobia warning for this episode, especially if your name is Pinocchio and you're made out of wood. From hidden delicacies within rotting logs, to nutty drama, to the story of a parasite's parasite, we're looking at what happens when the giving tree gives you nausea. Discover this more as we answer the age-old question, would you eat living tree noodles? Joining me today on this woody journey is co-host of the Ethnically Ambiguous podcast, writer, director, and friend of the show, Shireen Lanny Yunus. Welcome! Ah, it's me, Tree! <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. Is that your impression of a tree getting eaten alive? Uh, yeah, now that, that you say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine it kind of, uh, ah, like high-pitched and kind <laughs> of um, alarming and... Oh, it's like, ooh, it's like the voice in a Who Framed Roger Rabbit when he gets, like, flattened or whatever. Oh, yeah. That. Have you seen that movie? Oh, yeah, where, like... That's, that's the voice. They put the little shoe in the acid. That was a children's movie. Yeah, Remember? yeah, that's... I mean, obviously, it scarred me. I'm still thinking about it when I'm 32, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we are talking about uh, the <laughs> the horrible desecration of wood. To be fair, not all of these animals harm trees, but they do very strange things to the trees. And so I I am serious when I say that if you have trypophobia, this may not be the episode for you. Uh, There are, and certainly, like, I, I do include some images in the show notes, and I would definitely warn you not to look at those. Um, But yeah, I, I, think that it is really interesting that you look at a tree and you think of sort of the normal way that it supports life, like maybe a bird's nest and its branches and like little caterpillars munching on its leaves. But some really weird stuff can happen like inside of wood, which, uh, you know, is not a phrase I would have thought I would say this morning, but here <laughs> I am saying it. Yeah, I love trees. I I, I love Everything they do. Um, hot take. Hot take. Trees. Go look at one. They are giving you life and you should go hug it. Um, but yeah, I didn't know what this show was going to be about this morning. Disclosure, I just kind of woke up like maybe 20 minutes ago. But um, I'm really happy to be here today. And I love that I'm starting my day with this because this definitely woke me up. I don't think I have. It's called trypophobia, right? Yes. With the, with the P. Uh, I don't think I have it, but I don't enjoy looking at stuff like that. So I'm, if you, if you have it or like, if you don't like that stuff and you're still listening, this is, I'm for you. You know what I mean? Like, I get you. I'll be here as your, what's it called? You know, your representative. Your holes guide. Yes. 
exactly. Because I think it's gnarly. And even now looking at some of the photos, I uh, my stomach is like, nope. Uh, but uh, But yeah, I think trees are fascinating. And I'm actually kind of interested to know stuff that I don't know about them. So yeah. I'm kind of excited. Yeah. I, I knocked on Shireen's window this morning, waking her up. and was like, you want to talk about tree holes with me? <laughs> and I was like, okay, <laughs> why are you here? <laughs> I thought you were in Italy. No, I flew all the way back to the U.S. just to wake Shireen up so mm-hmm. we can talk about tree holes. And the first thing I want to talk about is something that even, like, when I saw a photo of this, I did not believe it at first. I thought it was some kind of Photoshop, you know, some kind of, or manipulation, Mm. some kind of internet um, hoax. But no, this is very real. Imagine being able to crack open an old rotting log, and inside are just these long, giant gray worms that look like they're these organs inside the tree. One might find it horrifying, but indeed these things are actually a delicacy as if you are cracking open a giant oyster. So nothing to be afraid of. They are apparently actually delicious. Where do they grow? So, Or where are these things? So these are called the Tamaluk woodworms of the Philippines. They really look bizarre. Like this tree has been invaded by wormy aliens mm-hmm. or like started to grow veins or something. It looked to me like or when it's I... it's like sewn together. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when you split yeah. it open, it's like this big log and you can see these holes kind of in it, but also like in these holes, like coming out like these these sort of gray ropes, slimy ropes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So it looks like it it has been invaded by some kind of worm. Actually, these are not worms at all. They're in fact a type of seafood. So, which huh. doesn't seem the most likely place to find seawood inside of a rotting tree. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, it looks pretty gnarly. It like definitely looks like it's like been sewn together or something. There's like these threads back and forth. But if I, if this happened to me, if I was cutting something open and that I opened it up to see that, I would never recover. Yeah. I'd be traumatized. That's I would think yeah. that like the tree was half. It was like a dryad or something halfway between. Mm. sort of morphing from a human into a tree, but it's like intestines are still there or something. So yeah, I, I oh, would... Oh, God. Yeah. yeah, I would also be horrified if I did not know what I was dealing with. But if you yes. do know what you're dealing with, uh, you may feel excited because this is actually culinary delicacy in the Philippines. And like I said, this is actually a type of seafood because the woodworm is not a worm. It actually belongs to a family of clams known as shipworms. So these oh. are clams. Can you believe it? No, I really can't. I don't know how that... Wait, do the trees grow next to the ocean at least or not really at all? Yeah. So these are mangroves and they actually will grow in saltwater intertidal zones. So mangroves are one of the only trees that can actually tolerate saltwater. And since they grow submerged in the saltwater, a lot of their branches and stuff get soft or rotted 
And it is the perfect place for these woodworms or shipworms to find a home. So these are sometimes called the termites of the sea for their wood boring habits. They uh, have long tubular worm-like bodies and can grow up to a meter or a little over three feet long. And oh wow! Yeah, but despite looking like some kind of giant, like spaghetti, they are in fact a clam and do have all the anatomical features of a bivalve mollusk, just sort of greatly modified to this new purpose. So. Like all bivalves, they have an input and an output siphon they use to basically filter the seawater and get their oxygen supply with internal gills. And they have a shell, but the shell, instead of nicely closing like a clam, is actually broken apart on one end and the other. So they have a little fragment of shell on sort of the butt end and on the head end. So... The on the butt end, they have those siphons, and they, they have a little shell fragment that can actually cover up those siphons and close up the hole that they've bored into the wood for protection from a predator that might want to pull them out and eat them like a spaghetti, uh, as, as do humans. So on the other end is actually the part that bores through the wood. It has the mouth, it has the foot of the clam, which the all clams have a foot. It's this fleshy part that it can use to dig in the sand, but in this case, it's digging in soft wood. And it also has another piece of its shell up there that is wrapped around this part of its head, kind of like a drill, and it can use this to rasp at the wood and bore its way into the wood. Uh, and so you have basically a long noodle with like a drill on one end and breathing tubes on the other, which is, it's so bizarre to me that somehow a clam has found itself in this situation. Yeah, that is very fascinating. Yeah, because you're right. It has been greatly modified in ways like I wasn't even expecting it to have a shell on either end or or all that stuff. That's so fascinating to me. Have you ever read a Jinji Ito? The um, it's like this horror manga artist. No, no. There's this Mm-mm. there's this famous one that is like a m- sort of or, or I should say infamous on the Internet where it's this thing where people find all of these people-shaped holes in a cliffside, and then they're just, like, kind of drawn to going in the hole. But for some reason, like, on the other end of the hole, on the other end of the hole, miles away, like, the there was, like, an earthquake that caused the person shape of the hole to turn into, like, this narrow oh. thing. So when they come out on the other side, they're all warmified and it's just a oh my god (laughs) it's a very i would only recommend this comic to people who have a high tolerance for sort of bizarre body horror stuff but it it is it's definitely one of the most (laughs) infamous horror mangas out there because of that very weird visual but it does make me think of what evolution has done (laughs) to these clams turning them from (laughs) this nice little you know like little uh, neat and tidy animal into this weird weird worm but it, it really works for it 
Yeah. I mean, that image is really uh, kind of healthy. It makes more sense when you put it that way, like evolutionarily, like what must have happened. But no, body horror stuff is not for me. Not your jam. Not my jam. But but that does sound just like from my my the image in my head is very funny. Imagining that manga just like. <laughs> Like it is, know. it is funny. It's like a gingerbread looking hole, gingerbread man looking hole. Then it becomes. I, it probably isn't, but in my head, it's like no, it is man bread. Oh, it is. Oh, it's it's funny. It's both funny and it's funny horror. Like there's a certain humor to it, and I think that's what makes it work so well. Is that there's like mm. it's a surrealism plus horror plus a good amount of humor. Uh, so, so oh, okay, good. Yeah, but it, it, it is have some balance. It is balanced. I, I I personally do like it, but I'm also I look at these kinds of things like these worms and stuff, and it's like, hey, that's neat. Instead of like, oh no, that's that's not good. There's worms in that wood. Um, <laughs> so, is it like kind of how like blue cheese is rotten? Like, is this the root? Is this wood is rotting, right? Yes. Or no? Yes. Like yes. Yeah. It's because that it's. They like the rotting wood because it's soft and it lets them eat the wood. And they actually have bacteria, symbiotic bacteria inside of the woodworm clam that helps them digest that wood and turn it into usable nutrients for the clam. So it's similar to how termites work. Termites also have a symbiotic bacteria, gut bacteria that helps them digest woods. So it's the same thing with this clam. And yeah, rotting wood is, the reason it's rotting is because things like bacteria and microorganisms are eating it, breaking it down. So it makes a lot of sense for these, these clams to go into rotting wood. Not only is it softer, easier for them to bore through, it's also the preferred meal of something like a, um, a bacteria. And the problem mm. with trying to eat live wood, even though there are animals that do eat living wood, is that the plant will have defenses against it, maybe sap, it'll be more sort of a harder exterior, harder to drill into. So rotting wood is often the meal of choice for the lazy animal who doesn't want to have to deal with the natural defenses that a living tree will have. But it's so funny to just think of these animals as just like, eh, I'm going to phone it in today. Just, go, <laughs> just eat some wood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, it kind of makes me fascinated, like, how these trees are still growing and alive because it's they're they're growing next to, like, the sea or, like, salt water. They're rotting. Things are eating them. What, I, what's, like, the symbi... I thought, in my head, for, for the tree to survive, there has to be some kind of symbiotic relationship. But is there not really at all? I mean, I, I think if you think of it more like detritivore or something that eats the carcass of something else. So like we have a lot of scavengers mm. that will eat the carcasses of animals, like a vulture may eat the carcass mm -hmm. of an animal. Um, but that doesn't mean it's actually going to hurt that animal's population because it's only eating the, the dead animals. It's a scavenger um, or like okay. crabs okay. and... Um, you know, the, these these things at the bottom of the ocean that eat dead whales. They're not actually killing off the whales. They're just eating the whales that naturally die. And so things like things happen to trees that causes them to fall over or branches to fall off. And then when that happens, um, then you'll have these, these uh, detritivores come and eat 
these the, the dead parts of the tree. And it's actually a good process in general, especially on the forest floor, because then you will take something like a dead chunk of tree and turn like these bacteria and microorganisms will actually turn it into a fertile sort of soil with a lot of nutrients and then other animals can come in and eat those things. So uh, it's actually a very good service that when animals eat something that's dead and rotting. And really the main threat to these mangroves are (laughs) as usual humans. Like if we go into these regions and like, uh, Mm. for instance, Typically, the eating of these uh, woodworms is not an issue uh, when it's done sort of like occasionally uh, with tourism and people may be seeking this out as like a tourist experience that does make it a little more iffy in terms of whether that could remain sustainable. But yeah, they, mm-hmm. I do not think that the woodworms really hurt the living trees. They just feed off of the rotting wood. Now, if you're a boat... Uh, maybe you would have to worry about them because they might eat through your boat, or at least that's sort of these oh crap these legends of these shipworms um, eating through these boats. Uh, I, I don't know how much damage they could actually have done to some of these like big wooden boats in the past, but they were definitely seen as a menace for for these boats. Yeah, like the termites of the ocean. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But you can um, eat them. I'm glad you clarified. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's yeah. I don't know. I don't think anyone eats termites. Um, but I'm glad you clarified that because in my head, to be honest, maybe this is silly. But I was imagining that all the trees are rotten. Not oh, just like, right. Like I didn't. I didn't know there were like alive versions of this tree, which is my own ignorance. Uh, but I'm glad you clarified because yes. that just makes like only the yeah. Okay, thank you. Yes, thank you. but uh. So it it is a sustainable system as long as there's not too much interference that goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, it, as long as like people don't over uh, overhunt these things or sort of try to you know basically f- create farms for it, which would be using up sort of man- mangrove wood and generally disrupting the ecosystem. They are they are edible. Apparently, um, they can be either eaten raw, sort of like an oyster, or they can be cooked. Mm. Uh, They are typically seasoned with coconut vinegar, lime juice, chili, and salt. Uh, And it apparently has a sort of creamy, salty, oystery taste to it. Uh, Mm. It doesn't... Yeah, I'm not a muscly oyster person. Neither am I. I actually... I'm not exactly sure why this happens, but every time I've tried to eat like mussels, like I've gotten a stomach ache, I I threw up once. So I don't know if that was just a coincidence or if I should maybe avoid those. So personally, I might avoid these just because I don't have a great track record with shellfish, but it definitely sounds... Like it, it sounds kind of good. Like it sounds like the. It sounds the, like if you like oysters and yeah. clams, you would like it for sure, right? Yeah, it's just yeah, not for I think me, so. But yeah, yeah. If you are a fan of shellfish, you would probably like this, um, uh, because it is sh- like it shellfish. Is a shellfish. <laughs> yeah. Right, shellfish noodles. Yeah, shellfish noodles, tree noodles. Yeah. So, Shireen, I'm sorry to subject you to more tree horror of what happens to to trees. Yeah. Um, but 
Okay, this one might be my my least favorite photo that I've seen so far. <laughs> They're like the, in this document. Yeah, I don't. I do not like this one. Yeah, I do not like it. Would it be? Would you um, be okay with describing what you're seeing, or would you like me to give uh, it a shot? Yeah, sure, Katie. Wow, you really just <laughs> really asking a lot right now. Um, okay, it's a tree. <laughs> yes, it's this big part of a tree, and um. There are all these circular orange-looking balls embedded in the tree, but, like, everywhere. The, the holes are everywhere. There's more hole balls than there are tree bark that I can see. It's just, like, covered in these holes. And there's a bird-looking thing. It's a bird. Uh, <laughs> on the tree. <laughs> on the tree. And it's eating these balls out of the tree. Um, and honestly, knowing that they're balls is less nauseating than, like, if they were worms coming mm -hmm. out of it. It's not like it's, like, a weird squeezy toy with, like, stuff coming out, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, I don't know if that was a good explanation, but are there I've never seen anything like this, and I hope to never see anything like this again. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, because you, you do live in California... There is a chance you might see this. Uh, it also... Well, it looks like I'm moving. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't move to Oregon, the southwestern United States, or South America. Don't move near oak forests. This is where you would find it. Um, so what oh, you... Oh, no. I love forests. And I love <laughs> Oregon. Also, do you know I'm allergic? I'm allergic to oak. So mm, well, this is a deadly tree for me. Not this... deadly. I probably just get a rash. But like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. You'd get a rash on your body and on your mind if you saw one of these because this is yep. an oak tree. And what you're seeing, those orange balls are actually acorns. Oh, oh, they do look like that. They have a little acorn top. Yes. And it's like a tree that has been Swiss cheesified. And in every little hole is an individual acorn, which like it when you see it, it's like, well, how does this happen? Like are the acorns going rogue and attacking their own kind? Is it like a squirrel mafia and they're getting into acorn <laughs> gunfights? The key is that bird you see perched on the tree. Mm -hmm. So humans aren't the only ones who can find a nice meal stored in trees. Uh, even though typically we think of squirrels when we think of storing acorns, there are other animals that enjoy a nice acorn. Uh, the acorn woodpecker uh, mm. is a really interesting type of woodpecker. So woodpeckers, of course, peck wood. It's, it's in, in the dang name. And <laughs> usually they will drill out holes in wood for things like finding larvae inside the tree. So they'll find a grub and pull it out. They can even drill a hole for their nest inside a tree. Sometimes they'll drink sap out of a tree. But the acorn woodpeckers takes it to another level where they will drill out holes as little cubby holes for acorns that they store to eat later. So wow. a quick physical description of this acorn woodpecker it looks like your standard woodpecker. It's a medium yeah. size. I thought that was woodpecker, yeah. but I wasn't. I didn't want to like go on the record being like, "That's a woodpecker," and you're like, "No, yeah." Um, but yeah, it looks pretty. I would standard, have punished you for guessing. Yeah, <laughs> you're not allowed I mean, to guess I things. Feel 
I feel pretty silly now because they're so obviously acorns. You know what I mean? And I was just like describing but them as like orange. I yeah. don't think you should yeah. feel silly because that's just not a place you expect acorns to be in, right? It's like, like yeah. sure, if they were on the ground, you'd be like, yeah, that's an acorn. But they're embedded in a tree. So you're not going to necessarily first jump to acorn. Yeah. No, thank you for... Uh, Making me not feel as dumb, um, <laughs> but uh, but it's so interesting. Like this, the habit or not the habit, the fact that this bird is making these cubbies for eight, like the self control this bird has, not to yes. just like gorge on all of these savings. Mm -hmm. Like what? How does it guarantee that other birds like it won't eat its its share? Yeah, I just think that's very fascinating. It's yeah, very fascinating. Their behavior is so interesting. They're so meticulous, and they take a lot of steps to ensure that these acorns are safe. They'll even, so as the acorns dry out, because they save these acorns for a while, they're preparing for the winter where there's less right. food sources available. It's very similar to what squirrels do. And mm -hmm. they know, well, they don't maybe consciously know, but as time goes on, acorns will actually dry out and shrink. They'll constrict as the moisture leaves the acorn, even though there's the, Inside the shell of the acorn, there's still that meat of the acorn that is a great food source. But as the acorn gets smaller, uh, it's in danger of falling out of these holes. So the woodpecker actually takes it out of the larger hole and puts it in a smaller hole so it's oh. less likely to fall out. So it's constantly rearranging these acorns, making sure they're all snugly fit. And they're like they're like some kind of neurotic acorn librarian constantly reshuffling these acorns, putting in new acorns. Uh, and and you're absolutely right that like it is tricky to make sure that other birds don't come in and steal their acorns. So some of these woodpeckers in some regions have developed a strategy of teamwork making the dream work. Uh, so oh. they will form um, what are called breeding collectives. So these are basically families that are staying together, protecting their uh, what is called a granary tree, so it's like where they're storing their acorns. And these these breeding collectives typically are something where you have um, high relatedness. So you'll have maybe three females who are all sisters, and then maybe they meet a group of seven males who are brothers. Uh, they're not related to the females, so you get that good genetic diversity. And uh, but then they're like, hey, look at look at these hunky brothers come and mate with us like this group of <laughs> sisters. It's it's a it would definitely be like a TLC show uh, if if these right. birds got a TLC deal. Um, That is so fascinating. Honestly, I'm a, I kind of love these birds mm -hmm. like I I'm imagining them neurotically like just rearranging these acorns like a puzzle or something mm -hmm. you know what i mean just like trying whatever um the idea of an erotic bird makes me feel at peace knowing that there are other animals that are erotic <laughs> and not just humans <laughs> um as also, someone it's so it's pretty we go ahead go ahead as someone with ocd i do I, I do appreciate right? these birds. Yes, yes. I, I Me too. Exactly. Yeah. I'm the same way. I, I, I'm like, wow, this is... I feel seen. Thank yeah. you, acorn woodpecker. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, it's it's funny. Like I don't feel as grossed out by this tree knowing that it's just right. like these cubbies for this food. Um, it's pretty adorable, to be honest. Not the tree itself. I will not say this tree is adorable, <laughs> but the act, the yeah. act that this, what what this what this woodpecker is doing is pretty freaking cute. It's a it's a pantry, not not some kind of tree that's exactly. grown horrible acorn eyeballs. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> also, our I want to. The more we talk about acorns, like I want to try an acorn. Do are acorns edible to so us too? They are, but it requires preparation. So this is something that uh, was done actually by the people who first lived here before Europeans came mm. and colonized. Which basically you have to because to acorns have um, they are toxic if you just eat them raw. But you can mm. make basically acorn meal and you can boil. I think you boil out the more um, acidic uh, toxins out of the acorn and then you can grind them up into an acorn meal. And this was actually used um, as sort of a staple food often in a lot of uh, civilizations in early America. Mm. That sounds tasty. I want to try some acorn meal. I'm being completely serious. It's fascinating. Just make sure um, it's cooked. Don't go and eat raw acorns because you'll get a stomachache. You know, I'm glad you said that because you never know if I was like, on a hike one day and be like, oh, that was the time to try this acorn. Um, no, I, I've i enjoyed this segment. I thank you. I'm glad I know about this now. Well, you know, um, you probably if you did try to eat one, you would learn pretty quick that it's not something you can just eat raw like that um right. they actually have a I mean, very it's bitter hard. taste it's well when you crack it you can crack open if you find an acorn on the ground you can definitely explore inside the acorn you can crack it open you'll find the meat if you're lucky you'll find uh, a grub actually inside sometimes an acorn will have like a little hole and a grub will come in and eat that meat oh um which for a woodpecker if some of their acorns get eaten by grubs that's fine they just eat the grubs um for a human arguably it's still fine you can just eat that grub but <laughs> uh the the meat is actually very bit it's soft and i know this because my grandparents <laughs> used to live uh, in Ojai, California, where there's a ton of oak trees in their backyard, which is covered, absolutely covered in oak trees and um, acorns. And I would collect a bunch as a kid. And of course, I was curious. And of course, I had to try eating one. And I tried it and it was terrible tasting. So you definitely need to prepare these the acorn before you actually eat it. Okay. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. Also, glad you're not dead. Thank you, um, yeah. If you ate that acorn. Yeah, yeah. It's a, um, it's a surprise to me as well. <laughs> there are so many things I look back on and I'm just like, how am I still here? Yeah. Uh, but I'm glad that, in my opinion, as I was scrolling through this document in the beginning, that what I thought was the worst image is now not so bad yeah. because of this cubby uh, woodpecker deal. So I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad. Sometimes knowledge is all it's, all it takes to turn a nightmare into an adorable woodland story. Mm-hmm. However, exactly. there there is still some uh, some drama with these woodpeckers because they form these like cohesive units, these family units. Often, the offspring will stay and help with uh, rear the chicks. And so, if you have this group of woodpeckers and they're able to defend that granary pretty well. But what happens when one of the woodpeckers dies or this 
woodpecker group destabilizes is you start to get a bunch of interlopers who rush in. There can be something like other species of birds, like scrub jays, come flock over to try to steal as many acorns as they can while that group of woodpeckers is in disarray. But you also have uh, members of the same species, other acorn woodpeckers who come in either to spectate. So there are these woodpeckers who are not necessarily ready to try to find a nest site, but they still just come to kind of be looky-loos, which is really interesting. They will fly for many miles just to see like, hey, is what's going on here? And they'll watch like they're watching a TV show, like a drama. Um, but in addition to them, there are uh, these warrior <laughs> warrior woodpeckers who have come to actually try to fight for a vacant uh, breeding spot in this group. So uh, it is quite quite a drama, and it's just so funny to imagine all these birds arguing. You have these thieves from another species trying to steal the acorn, and yeah. then other acorn woodpeckers fighting and bickering over who gets to take the empty nest spot. And then these other woodpeckers just sitting on the sidelines eating a little like tiny tub of popcorn or something going like, you know, like, huh, I never knew Cheryl like had quite the strong claws. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> that is so freaking fascinating. I that is just it's like the acorn wars or acorn like, something. Wars, yeah. like honestly, don't tell anyone about this idea. Um, but I think this is a great Pixar movie, right? Let's, yes. let's work on this Pixar movie. Absolutely. Right. I've generated so much free content for Pixar. I'm shocked I have not <laughs> received a check in the mail from them, honestly. But yeah, I mean, it this is... This is begging to be a movie. Exactly. begging to be a movie. Yeah. There's like so many... Uh, Frac factions, fractions, math. <laughs> there's so there's so many factions of like these birds and these like uh, motivations and like the fact that they all have their own personalities. Whether it's like the spectator or like with the people that want to become the the people, the birds that want to become warriors. I just think it's what an interesting little species. Little I species. Know. Species. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, it makes me feel like. Where when humans watch trash TV, because I mean everybody loves a little bit of trash TV, myself included. Whether it's rubbernecking, that's what they call it when you're like <laughs> even on the freeway. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whether you love to watch a soap opera or reality TV, at least it's not just us; it's also woodpeckers. Mm -hmm. We're not so yeah. different. They're just like us, <laughs> like the Star Magazine. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to talk about, I mean, we just talked about woodpecker drama, but this is, this is like some drama layered upon drama, like some kind of drama sandwich or drama, like parfait. It's, it's layers and layers here. And it is what happens when a parasite is itself victimized by another parasite. Hmm. So there is something called a gall wasp. And these are wasps that they, they may not actually look like a wasp to us. Because when we, when we think of a wasp, we think of the black and yellow uh, sort of, you know, 
menacing looking stinging things but these are actually kind of chunky they're black with these red legs so they don't really look like a wasp um, and they're not really threatening they I, I don't believe they really sting um, and the only case in which you should be afraid of these wasps are if you are an oak tree a maple tree a rose bush or basically any kind of plant unlucky enough to make this gall wasp uh, look you up and down and decide to uh, be an unwelcome uh, guest. Nice. I am looking at the, it's like a little chunky guy. You're right. Yeah. He's just a little um, chunky, chunkster. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that that thing existed. Have you ever... But so it doesn't sting, you said? I don't believe it stings humans, uh, but it does. It is a menace to plants and trees. Have you ever seen mm -hmm. on an oak tree something that looks like this weird ball? Like like a growth coming yeah. out of the tree? Or yeah, it's like a... Maybe, yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, I mean, there's a photo there for you. Uh, it, just bas it just looks sort of like a like a ball growing on oh, okay. the branch. Oh, okay, yeah. And like little, yeah, yeah, and you're called galls. They're called galls, and you only find them like occasionally. And they're sort of bizarre because I, I remember seeing these as a kid growing up, of course, with my weird interactions with oak trees and like picking one and being like mm -hmm. thinking it was like some kind of fruit. But uh, when you open it up, what you're gonna find is actually some wasp larvae. So the wasp, the gall wasp, will lay their eggs inside the flesh of the plant and induce the plant mm. to form a gall, which is usually, it's kind of like a hollow plant pearl. You know how oysters will form a pearl from an irritation, like a little piece of sand or maybe a parasite and form this protective coating around it? Plants seem to do mm -hmm. the same thing. So uh, it is a spherical growth. It can happen on uh, the branches, on the leaves, on the roots, even flower buds. And it's this like round kind of growth thing. Or sometimes like if it's on a leaf, it's a little flatter. So it looks more like a like a donut or something or a Cheerio. Um, but uh, it's growing around this implanted egg that, or these implanted eggs that the wasps leave. And how the wasp actually makes the plant create this growth is not entirely well understood. There's some theories that it's maybe either a chemical or a physical trigger that like makes the plant react defensively, but this defense is actually working in the favor of the wasp larva because as this thing grows around the larva, it not only provides protection to the larva, but inside that ball is gonna be some fleshy meat of the plant that the larva can feed on as it develops. So it basically tricks the plant or the tree to grow a crib for the larva and the crib's walls are just lined with food. And so it can happily eat inside the skull, be really safe and cozy uh, inside this ball that you'll find on something like an oak tree. That is so fascinating. That is so <laughs> fascinating. I mean, the, my first instinct, I'm sorry, but I was just like, this is like the balls of the tree. Um, but it's so much more than that. <laughs> yeah, what a what a weird... I mean, yeah, you just, 
the things trees do never cease. Like, there's just so many things that people probably are not aware of. And uh, honestly, the little gall wasp is, is a pretty cute guy. If, yeah. If they're just trying to yeah, start a family. <laughs> <laughs> they, so cute. They yeah. are. They are. I find them cute. I think they're kind of like chunky and bumbly looking. Yeah. They're like fuzzy little guys. Yeah. They're just little guys. Uh, unfortunately, even though this plan is pretty good uh, in terms of protecting the gall wasp larva, and then like once they uh, metamorphosize into adults, they will uh, bore a hole out of the gall and emerge uh, well-nourished and safe, sometimes the best plans go awry. And that is when uh, your, your parasitic uh, your parasitic plans are interrupted by another parasite. So there is something called the Crypt Keeper wasp, which has a mm. creepy name. Uh, it doesn't look that creepy, but its behavior is definitely, definitely sus. Uh, so the Crypt Keeper wasp is found in the U.S. and it is an iridescent green and blue wasp that it doesn't look that menacing and it's really not if you're a human. It's got these fluffy antenna and they don't really typically sting people. Um, I mean, it's beautiful. It is. It's genuinely maybe the prettiest insect I've seen in my life. It's so like, yeah, iridescent and the color is just straight out of euphoria. Yeah, um, it's it's got but, it's definitely yeah. an aesthetic, and it look it looks like a little insect fairy. It looks kind of dainty with mm-hmm. these little fluffy yeah. antenna. It is not it is not by any means menace, menacing or grotesque looking. Their behavior though, it, it's not about what you look like on the outside. It's what's on the right, inside. Right, and inside these are creepy little fiends. So. Uh, the crypt keeper wasp will find the galls of the gall wasp, those those little cribs basically that the gall wasps have tricked the plant into forming, these cocoons made out of plant material, and they will bore a little hole in them and lay its larva inside. So now you've got two larvae inside this gall. You have the gall wasp larva and the crypt keeper wasp larva. And that's just the beginning of it because it gets seriously weird. The crypt keeper larva bites down onto the gall wasp larva and somehow mind controls it to start metamorphosizing into an adult ahead of schedule and start burrowing out of the gall early. But what happens is because it has hijacked the gall wasp's normal metamorphosis it actually turns into this weird thing where it like burrows a hole that's too small for it. So it can only squeeze its head out and then it gets stuck. And then what the Crypt Keeper larva does is starts eating the gall wasp (gasps) from the butt up to the head. So the head is protecting the Crypt Keeper larva by blocking this entrance that the Crypt Keeper has forced this gall wasp to make. And so it gets to eat the rest of its body. It's like, you know the thing where like, remember when Pooh Bear gets stuck in in that hole? Uh-huh. It's like- Don't if, bring Pooh into this. <laughs> it's like if Piglet started eating Pooh Bear from the butt up and just leaving his head as like a door. That is so unsettling. I... 
take back everything I said about this beautiful insect. Um, <laughs> that is so unsettling. That is so effed up. It, I cannot get over that that's... I mean, I, I know animals and insects do crazy things. I totally understand. But, like, that is demented. Mm-hmm. That's de- it's, it's, like, it's insidious. You, you, yeah, it's mean. It's mean. <laughs> I I just like to imagine you scolding this little wasp out now, just like like shaking your finger at it. It's like stop being mean. You're being mean. Yeah, it is, but it is objectively just a little bit mean and really rude. Effed up. Um, it's rude. It's rude. It's it's a very uh, it's a party foul. It's a it's an evil little guy. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's just burrowing. It's like it, it's 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 seed where it's not welcome mm-hmm. eating what's already there mm-hmm. and then just like making like tr- i don't know it's just, it's all very strategic and manipulative and like i guess is there another way for this crypt keep- crypt keeper wasp to spawn or is this like like is, is there a motivation for doing it this way Versus another way. Yeah. So the motivation is, I mean, it's very Machiavellian. It's it not only gets to have a free home, right? It it deposits its larva somewhere where it's safe. The larva also gets extra nutrition, and by making the gall wasp chew its way out of the gall, uh, it increases the chance of the crypt keeper's survival because. That it takes effort to bore its way out of this this gall. So crypt keepers who don't uh, somehow they they don't do that mind control and don't make the uh, gall wasp drill its own drill the exit for it actually have a lower chance of survival. And when they are when they do metamorphosize and they are ready to to emerge, they just chew through the head and pop out of the hole. Ah. Yeah, it's not it's gnarly. Yeah. It's gnarly. The mind control thing is is wild to me. Yeah. I, wait. So like, uh, so in most cases, they just leave the head there. Well, they leave the head there while they're still chilling out inside of the gall, like eating the right. eating the flesh of both the uh, both the gall wasp and also the probably I think they also eat the inside of the gall. So they're um, just just hanging, having a good time, being a weird little freak and then the head they leave the head there while they're still inside because that is protect that's basically acting as a right. door it's protecting them from other uh intruders uh so yeah right. it's it's pretty you know it's pretty insidious that is mean and evil and <laughs> the gall wasp is so cute and it makes me sad that it has these like predators that are technically part of the same little family but are mind controlling and eating them from the butt up <laughs> they're just trying to do their thing like it doesn't seem like the gall wasp is really being that uh offensive or like in this crypt keeper wasps way yeah so, i mean i'm always with the underdog yeah the, uh, even if the upper dog upper dog even if <laughs> the other side is so beautiful yeah the upper dog uh yeah i yeah. I, I do think this would also make a good like Kind of like a high school oh, yeah. movie, you know, where you have the pretty popular upper dog yes. wasp, and then maybe the 
sort of maybe not as glitzy and shiny, but adorable in her own way, Wasp. And then she just gets eaten by the uh, yeah by the popular teen Wasp. It's like our Tim Burton. It's like our Tim Burton version of a Pixar movie. Like yeah. it has to be kind of dark and weird. Um, but I think we can make it happen. Yeah, I would like to see like a high school teen musical, but they eat each other. Like, like, sort yeah. of cannibalize, you know. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. Yeah. I, 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 that was. I don't actually want to see that now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I mean, but it is really fascinating. I had no idea that animals, or not, I guess they're insects, but like they, the mind controlling thing is still kind of tripping, tripping me out. It's yeah. That's a, yeah. Yeah. No, it's really bizarre, it's and weird. I don't think they know exactly what they're, how they're doing it. My guess, uh, my. <laughs> My guess that I'll probably have to put my foot in my mouth for uh, later, but it I think it's probably some kind of chemical that the mm. the crypt keeper parasite uh, it's actually technically a parasitoid, not a parasite because like a parasite will live off its host o- over long periods of time, whereas a parasitoid actually uh, will devour its host eventually, like kill it. Oh, so the but anyways, back to what I was saying is I bet what it's doing is like excreting some chemical that stimulates some kind of like hormone production inside the gall wasp causing that premature development which also causes it to prematurely try to bore out of the gall but because it's premature it's unable to get all the way out the 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 whole size isn't quite right and so it's like it sounds like there's it it it's it's just a it's just so weird though to me it blows my mind as well that something can like i mean obviously each individual crypt keeper is not figuring this out on its own but that evolution can have such a twisted <laughs> twisted pathway to create such a devious parasite but we we see it happen over and over again yeah like to hijack another insect's like growth cycle or and you know what i mean that is that is yeah i can't get over that it's baffling <laughs> well i think uh i think we have thoroughly freaked out uh shireen uh <laughs> but before we go i do need to answer an important question and that's guess who's squawking uh every week we play the Guess Who's Squawking Mystery Animal Sound Game. I will play an animal sound, and you guys out there uh, will try to guess who is making that sound. Last week's mystery animal sound. Uh, so first, let's uh, find out the answer to last week's mystery sound. The hint was, this is what happens when you get a little too nosy with this group. <laughs> So, Shireen, do you have any guesses for who's squawking? That's a, there's a lot going on in that sound clip. Um, <laughs> I I don't even know. It sounded a little bit like a, a donkey at times. It sounded a little bit like a bird that was getting s- squished. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have a feeling it's going to not be as simple as, as a donkey or as a, a bird. Um, but squawking does make me feel like it has to be a bird, but it doesn't have to be a bird. That's just what the, 
the game is called, right? Yeah, no, it does not have to be a bird. It can be basically any any living animal on the planet, any living organism. Um, yeah, so the donkey guess is very good. You actually share that guess with my guest on the podcast last week. I think it's a really good guess. I will be honest, if I had to try to guess this, I don't think I would get it. So, um, but uh, this is actually a troop of proboscis monkeys. So, oh, that's what it is, Katie. <laughs> that was my second guess. You should have, you should have gone with that. You should have gone with that one. I know it was on the tip of your tongue. Congratulations to everyone who guessed correctly in the three fastest were, of course, our resident champion, Auntie B and Saga E and China S. Good job, you guys. Really impressive. So proboscis monkeys are old world monkeys found in Borneo. They have a really distinctive look. They have these pot bellies, this sort of like flat, almost comb over looking hairstyle of orange fur, they have these pink faces, and for the males, they have this really long floppy nose. It, do you know like- Oh, I think I've seen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember like- that, The image that you're conjuring up is bringing up an image that yeah. I think I know. Do you remember like Ziggy, that old newspaper comic? Uh, uh-huh, yeah, Or like yeah. there's also like the Kilroy was here thing with that little character with the big like, um, big mm-hmm. nose or like in Popeye cartoons I think there's like another one it looks like that like yeah, carto- is, yeah. yeah like that cartoon um big nose like that's like sort yeah. of looks like if you kind of like had sort of a half uh half filled water balloon and like t- it's like Squidward's nose I'm sorry I didn't reach for yes. the obvious thing it's a Squidward nose so yes. um this is the proboscis uh the, it's called a proboscis you can call it a nose mm-hmm. Um, so it's only in the males that they have the Squidward nose and it's because the females find it hot. They think it's really attractive. Uh, they're able to produce louder calls with this bigger proboscis. Uh, and so females really enjoy that. And yeah, they're, they're highly vocal. They will make numerous vocalizations communicating with each other. So what you heard in this clip was like a whole bunch of them. And so those weird, like, honking, grunting noises were probably coming from the males with their big, floppy Squidward noses. Interesting. That is very fascinating. Uh, wow. Another Pixar movie, I think. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is a Pixar movie. Um, Then you forget that, like, movies are based on real life and not that, like, real life is... Never mind. I'm getting... uh, Two, two in my head here. Um, I think maybe these these monkeys were designed by someone out of CalArts. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So on to this week's mystery animal sound. Here is mm-hmm. the hint. It sounds like an adorable squeaking mouse, except it has way too many legs to be a mouse. Shireen, who do you think is squawking here? I uh I do not know. It has to be it has to have more than four legs. So I was thinking it's an insect, potentially, or 
I mean, it can't be an octopus. O I, I imagine octopus and everything else that have legs under the ocean maybe aren't audible. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? <laughs> um, wow. I... Yeah, I kind of want to say it's like a cicada looking. It's not a cicada because not that noise, but I kind of think it's like this, like a cricket-like insect or something. And if not, what kind of animal has more than four legs? I feel dumb. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's going to be so obvious. Well, these are very good guesses. I'll I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, so don't feel dumb. Um, yeah. And it's either like an insect or like a starfish, <laughs> but it's not a starfish. I know it's not a starfish, but yeah, I'm going to say it's like a weird insect thing that pops up in the springtime or something, mm -hmm. you know? Well, that is a very good guess. Uh, I will reveal the answer to this week's Guess Who Squawkin' on next Creature Feature next Wednesday. So Shireen, thank you so much for joining me today and for enduring the weird grisly <laughs> things that happen to these trees yeah i i feel better than i did a, an hour ago um uh, i'm glad we got through it i i feel like i learned a lot you know there's a lot of fascinating stuff that trees do that i had no idea about so i appreciate you talking me through them yeah you learned a lot you made some some new friends with these gossipy <laughs> woodpeckers um, yes. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on the internet if you wish. I'm on Twitter at ShiroHero666 and on Instagram at ShiroHero. Um, I just released another poetry book. Oh. If you guys want that, just DM me. I'm doing bundles of both of them, I think. I don't know if that's still going on. Anyway, I'm I'm all, I'm all around. Just if you just look me up. You don't have to. I get it, <laughs> but... If you want to, I'm you there. do have to actually. I'm I'm laying down the law. You must look her up. Uh, there will be consequences <laughs> if you don't. Uh, of course, if you think you know who's squawking this week, or if you want to write to me a question, a comment, picture of your pet, uh, you can write at creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com. I'm also on the internet at creaturefeaturepod on Instagram and creaturefeaturepod pod on twitter that's f-e-a-t not f-e-e-t that is something very different thank you so <laughs> much for listening if you're enjoying the show and you leave a rating or a review i read all the reviews i tape them up all over my walls like i think from that movie the shining or something anyways i i do love reading the reviews so i really appreciate it whenever someone takes the time to leave one and thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exolumina. Creature Feature is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? Where have you listened to your favorite podcasts, even if it's like inside a rotting log? I don't judge you. See you next <laughs> Wednesday.